0: And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and we are back in our our Red Word series, so the words of Jesus. And I have a bucket list, and on that bucket list is would I ever be able to get Pastor Colin Smith to uh, be part of this series? And the answer is yes. Today is the day. I'm very much looking forward to that. He is a senior pastor of the Orchid Evangelical Free Church, which is in the suburbs of chicago and he's also the founder and teaching pastor of open the bible and you can hear him weekdays on faith radio at 8 a.m central time what i love about colin is not only does he love god's word but he loves teaching it so that's what we're going to be doing today with him colin i am uh, very much uh, looking forward
2: to this uh, teaching time today thank you <laughs> Well, Bill, thank you for the invitation. It's always a delight to talk with you, and to have an open Bible in front of us is a delight indeed. And
0: and people love this—the teaching of Jesus, the, the words uh, that are in red in 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 the uh, in the Gospels. It's thrilling to hear what Jesus uh, says and what he means by his words. And I'm looking forward to John chapter six today. So, if you have your Bibles open, and I encourage you to do uh that open your bible and also grab a notebook and a and a pencil something to write with because you will be a note taker today so colin let's let's start with uh just this whole idea that sometime after this jesus crossed to the far shore of the sea of galilee and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick
2: It's very striking, isn't it? And it's one of the evidences of the authenticity of the miracles of Jesus. Uh, These people uh, saw remarkable things that could only have been accomplished by the power of God, and who would be surprised that on the basis uh, of what they saw— they followed Jesus no matter how far they had to go and no matter how difficult it was to get there. And here they're, they're following Jesus around the other side of the lake because they're wondering what else they might see and who can blame them for that. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ performed miracles. He did things that only God himself can do. And uh, we're going to look at one of them, of course, in the story in John 6 today.
0: Mm -hmm. Colin, do historians ever give us uh, a rough number when they say, and a great crowd of people followed him?
2: Do we know what a great crowd is? Is that 50 people? We certainly know on uh, this occasion because uh, John tells us in this story that the uh, number of people on this occasion was 5,000 men. But then because he says 5,000 men, you've got to assume that women and children are added. And so, you know, if most of them had a wife with them and a couple of kids each, I mean, you could be talking about 20,000 people here. This is a large <laughs> crowd of people.
0: Yeah, I'm calling that a great crowd. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: All right, let's, uh, let's pick up. Where would you like to take it from here? Well, you know, you've got this crowd, and they're out in a remote place, and they've been listening to Jesus for a long time. And then the story tells us, uh, John records for us, Philip is asking the question, where can we buy bread so that these people may eat? And I love what it says next in John 6 and verse 6, that Jesus himself knew what he would do. Because the disciples that. don't have a clue as to what to do. <laughs> I mean, you, you've, mm-hmm. got, you've got Philip uh, here, and uh, he's trying to make uh, a calculation of, of the need. You know, how many people are there, and uh, what's it going to take, and so forth. And, and then Andrew chips in a little bit later, and he's done an assessment of the resources and come up with, uh, there's only five loaves and uh, two fish, and, you know, that's totally inadequate for this vast crowd and so forth. And, uh, you know, that is so familiar, Bill. You know, we find this in our own lives, don't we, that you you face a situation that feels overwhelming. You say, now, we're confronted by this need, and Mm -hmm. the need is absolutely vast, and the resources obviously are nowhere near matching, and we simply do not know what to do. And John records that Jesus knew what he would do i find that in a marvelous encouragement to faith that when i don't know what to do next i can think of real life situations that i'm facing where i really don't know what to do next it's a real help to me to be able to say yes but jesus does know what he's going to do and this story therefore speaks in multiple ways right into our lives
0: mm mm-hmm. Pastor Colin Smith is my guest today for our Red Word series, and you know him from Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith, heard weekdays on Faith Radio. Colin, let's just back up to the verse before where Jesus says, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now, I know everything he says is to bring glory to the name of the Father, so he wasn't trying to trick them in any way, was he? Because he knew what he was going to do.
2: Well, I think Testing their faith, isn't he? And uh, that fits uh, very much with what we're told in Scripture that God does uh, test our faith, and that when our faith is tested, it's actually strengthened. When we're put in a situation of acknowledging that we simply don't have an answer and that we don't have the resources that meet the need, that therefore we are cast in a fresh way on Jesus and looking to Him. And that's where faith is strengthened and where it's tested, where where he does for us something that we uh, were not able to work out for ourselves and could not have done for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so,
0: Colin, when Philip answered him and he had a, f- a financial idea in mind, he was saying, wait, 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 this would take more than a half year's wages to buy <laughs> enough bread for each one to have a bite. I think people <laughs> want more than a bite, too.
2: <laughs> I think he'd done a pretty accurate uh, calculation, actually, because if you go on an <laughs> average year's wages and divide out the numbers and so forth, you, you just about hit a McDonald's meal. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think he'd done it pretty accurately, and he'd come to the conclusion that, look, this is what it would cost, and there's absolutely no way that we have anything like these resources to be able to cover this need. Well, that's a very familiar situation for Christian believers to find themselves in. So are they are they picking on the uh, boy with
0: five small barley loaves? And I mean, it sounds like uh, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, kind of speaks up. What? Well, I mean, here's a kid with some food. <laughs> Maybe we should yeah. see what the Lord can do with this.
2: Yeah, I know. But then then he adds uh, there in verse nine. But uh, you know the five loaves and the and the two fish, and he says, "But what are they for so many?" So I mean, he's kind of holding his hands up and saying, "Look, this is completely hopeless." We've got a vast need on the one hand, and we've got minimal resources on the other. And there's no way that you can put these two things alongside each other and get any sense coming out of it at all. So it really Mm -hmm. is a kind of expression of of despair, which um, uh, Andrew brings to expression there.
0: Yeah. Okay, Colin, let's go to crowd control next. Jesus said, (laughs) have the people sit down. Well, how long is that going to take to get 20,000 people to cooperate? I
2: know. You know, the the logistics of this are fascinating to uh, to, to work out. Um, What's striking to me, too, is that, you know, if you put yourself in the position of Peter, James or John or any of the disciples telling the people to sit down, that really must have been an expression of faith. For them to do that. Because as soon as you do that, you're raising an expectation. People are going to say, well, why do you want us to sit down? Well, yes. uh, we don't really know, but we're looking to Jesus to do something here, and we're anticipating that he will. There's definitely an act of faith here in which Jesus instructs them to do something in advance of knowing what he himself would do. He was the only one who knew what he would do. And I think, again, we come back to the importance of that statement uh, that John makes. He knew what he was doing. The disciples didn't have the faintest idea. All that they knew was that they had to obey Jesus in in doing what he told them to do, which was go and get these people sitting down. Uh, Mark tells us, you know, uh, get them sitting down in groups of 150 and, and so forth and so on.
0: Yeah, so the in in my opinion, the stakes seem kind of high. I mean, you're going to get a crowd this size to sit down, so the expectations are something really amazing is going to happen. That's exactly right, and of course it did. Oh, I know, I know. Even think of the wedding feast at at Cana, where he asked the servants to go fill six of these what are these thirty gallon water jars. How about I fill one and then I bring it back and see what you're going to do with it?
2: Out of that, I think, Bill, really comes this principle, isn't it, that it is always right to obey the Lord Jesus Christ in everything that he says and does, even if we can't see what's going to come out of it. Uh, That's illustrated beautifully by the story you've just mentioned of the uh, filling of the water pots when the servants Mm -hmm. did that, really without knowing what would come out of it. And it's the same here with the disciples, getting the folks to sit down in groups on the grass and so forth. Uh, They do not know at that point what it is that Jesus is going to do. All they know is that they have to obey him.
0: Yeah. So Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks, and then it was kind of an all-you-can-eat buffet. (laughs) (laughs) They, They were seated and they ate as much as they wanted.
2: Yes, yes. And marvelous that Mark it is who tells us that Jesus gave to the disciples the bread that was multiplied and the fish that were multiplied in his hand. John simply tells us that Jesus gave thanks and distributed them. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mark tells us that the means by which he did that was through the disciples. Now, we've said that there might have been uh, 20,000 people or something of that order, and they're now sitting down in groups of hundreds and fifties and so forth, and there are 12 disciples. Now, uh, uh, just doing the calculation there, that's an awful lot of people for each disciple (laughs) 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 to to, to serve with uh, loaves and fish. So uh, just thinking about what this actually looked like, each of the disciples must have received bread and fish an uh, armful at a time from Jesus, Mm -hmm. and then taken it to his group of people sitting there and distributed it. But how much can you carry of uh, loaves and fish at one time? You know, you you give that out, then you come back to Jesus, and they receive more loaves, more fish, then they go and distribute them again, then they come back to Jesus. So it's backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. I've loved just to think of this, that the disciples were like runners for Jesus. They basically Mm -hmm. received from his hand and took what they received from his hand, and then gave it to people who were in need. And that's, to me, one of the most beautiful pictures of ministry, that we receive from the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then that we take what we receive, and then we give it into the hands of others. There's something just beautiful there. And of course, ministry is only sustained as we go on receiving from the hand of Jesus. We don't have anything to give except what we receive. Uh, but this is how ministry happens. This is how it is multiplied. And it's beautifully pictured for us here in the way that Jesus, by his own miraculous power, fed the 5,000 people uh, on that day.
0: Mm-hmm. Colin, is this the day leftovers were invented? Because Jesus, <laughs> makes, Jesus makes a point of saying, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted so there was a, a lot of food, a lot of food consumed, and food left over. A matter of fact, 12, 12 baskets and uh, some fish left
2: over. So what is there
0: a principle here we're supposed to understand?
2: Well, I think for sure the principle of the abundance of God's supply. Um, okay. That God, in his kindness, is not barely able to supply what is needed, but he is able—well, uh, how does Paul put it in Ephesians 3— to do abundantly above and beyond all that we ask and all that we think. And clearly this was very striking in the memory of the disciples that not only was the multitude fed, but there was more that was left over. It's a marvelous, marvelous expression of the abundance of our Lord Jesus Christ and the generosity of his provision.
0: Mm -hmm. Colin, I don't necessarily see a spiritual harvest, But in verse 14, it says, after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. So that was a profound
2: moment for many. It was. And, you know, as we continue our conversation in this program, uh, Bill, through John and chapter 6, what we're going to see is the danger of a response to Jesus that is simply based on some marvelous thing that he has done. In this case, the miracle of the multiplying of the loaves and the fish. And what we find is that increasingly people who responded gladly at first become offended. And by the end of the chapter, we're going to see that, in fact, many of them turned away and turned back. So there's kind of a warning here. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that it's made very clear at the end of this first story in John's Gospel where John tells us they they wanted to make him king, and by force. And, And what does that mean? It means here are a group of people who already had an agenda in regards to how they thought they should deal with the problem of the day, which, of course, was the Roman occupation and the Roman rule over their country. And now they see in Jesus someone that they can rally around, and if only they can get him... To adopt their agenda, uh, if they can make him the person who's going to lead them in what they want done, we will take him by king and make it by force and make him king. Well, then you know we can get this revolution going right away, and Jesus will have absolutely nothing to do with it. It's very striking to me that as mm. soon as people see his power, they want to seize him, and use him for an agenda that they've already decided in their own hearts. And Jesus will never allow himself to be um, uh, imprisoned by someone else's agenda. I think, of course, that was really the ultimate issue with Judas, that uh, he had another way that he wanted Jesus to go. And Jesus will never be manipulated into becoming the means of us pursuing what we want to get done.
0: I love that. Pastor Colin Smith is my guest. We are in the words of Jesus in John chapter 6 when we come back we're going to talk about Jesus walking on the water we'll be right back hi faith radio family it's Bill Arnold from the afternoons with Bill Arnold show Boy, the creativity never ends does it so here you are listening to a podcast which makes me very happy so thank you for doing that and thank you for being interested in Faith Radio and the podcast Now, because the podcasts are made available because of listener support, I would like to ask you kindly and prayerfully to consider supporting the show and Faith Radio. So you can become a afternoons with Bill Arnold supporter by doing that at myfaithradio.com. So thank you for listening to the show. And your financial support makes podcasts like mine possible and helps tell more people around the world about Jesus through Faith Radio app. Support the show now, please, at MyFaithRadio.com.
1: You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold, Faith, Hope, and Clarity in a Special Repeat Performance.
0: I have to admit, I'm having one of those really good days because I get to uh, be here on air talking to Pastor Colin Smith. Of course, you know him from Open the Bible weekdays at 8 a.m. Central Time right here at Faith Radio. We are in the words of Jesus. We are in John chapter 6, and I have loved the conversation to this point, and we're going to continue it as we Jesus walks on water. So, Colin, evening is rolling around. The disciples were going to go down to the lake, and they were going to get into a boat And set off for across the lake for Capernaum, but it was dark and Jesus hadn't joined
2: them yet. So what are they doing taking off without Jesus? (laughs) Well, again, you know, it's wonderful that God has given us four Gospels. And so uh, very often we're able to put them side by side and get a fuller picture of the stories of what takes place. And Mark uh, tells us in his gospel at this point that Jesus uh, made them get in the boat and go over the other side. It's a very strong term. He made them get in the boat. Nice. Now, why would that have been? I suspect for this reason that um, when, as we said at the end of the last section, Jesus performed that miracle and the response of these people, the crowd was, let's make him king and take him by force and make him king. I suspect the disciples would have rather liked that idea. Oh, make Jesus king. Judas would have loved that. I suspect people right. would have thought that was a great idea. Too. Ah. And it's almost as if Jesus says, we've got to get you guys out of here before you get tempted <laughs> with any of this stuff. And so he has nothing to do with the agenda of the crowd. He moves the disciples very promptly away. You get in the boat, you go across the other side of the lake, and then Jesus disappears up a mountain. And again, it's Mark that tells us that the reason he did that was to pray. And so that sets up the second scene in this marvelous chapter of John in Chapter 6 that we're talking about today.
0: Okay, Colin, let's just say I'm a, a fairly seasoned guy on, in a boat. So I'm not, you know, I'm used to being on boats and now I'm three or four miles away from shore and a strong wind was blowing and the waters are growing rough. And all of a sudden I'm seeing a person whoa, whoa, whoa walking on water towards my boat.
2: <laughs> yes, it must have been absolutely terrifying for the disciples. I mean first, although they were clearly used to uh, to bad weather they were, they were fishermen and they were used to, to boats again. Mark filling out the detail here speaks about them straining at the oars it 's clear that during the night they were just exhausted, trying to row against this wind and against this storm. And uh, they're really not making progress. So it's, it's it's a pretty dark scene. Uh, it's night. It's the winds howling. They're making no progress. They're getting increasingly exhausted. I think that in itself is really important because the first story is telling us about an amazing miracle, where the disciples had the absolute joy of uh, distributing the food that was multiplied in the hands of Jesus, and they take it from the hands of Jesus, and they give it to people who are in need and hungry. So you think, what's not to love about being a disciple of Jesus? And in the very next story, what we're learning is, you know, as you follow the Lord Jesus, and he did command them to get in the boat, so he knew that they were going to face a trial. He put them in a situation where it was really tough. As a follower of Jesus, don't be surprised if you find yourself in a dark place where you are under great strain and where you feel that you're making very, very little progress indeed. And then, as you were saying a a moment ago, Bill, Jesus comes to them. And that, to me, is just the most wonderful thing in this story, that when it's dark and when you're up against it and when you feel you're making no progress whatsoever, The Lord Jesus Christ is able to draw near in a very special way. Now, of course, at first, they didn't realize it was Jesus. Again, Mark tells us that they thought it was a ghost. And so they were absolutely terrified. They saw uh, evidently some some light coming towards them uh, in the darkness, on the water. I mean, you can understand. But Jesus says these marvelous words. It is, I do not be afraid And what a strength and a comfort that must have been to them to know that they had the presence of Jesus when they found themselves in such a dark place.
0: You know, Colin, even if you were to hear a a diagnosis today that was unfavorable, the words you'd love to hear is Jesus walking towards you. It is I. Don't be afraid.
2: Yeah. You you mentioning uh, illness brings to mind, I did a funeral uh, some time ago for a young man, he was actually a doctor. He died following a fairly severe surgery and carried uh, great risks. His father was also a doctor and his father told me that the conversation he'd had with his son before his son went into the surgery, his dad said, you know what, you're going into a serious surgery and we both know that you may not come out of it. Remember our verse. And their verse was this verse that you and I are talking about today, Bill. It is, I do not be afraid. Wow! And I have always associated that with the picture of what it is to, to die, to pass into the presence of the Lord Jesus. It will always be associated for that reason with, with this in my mind, that what happens when a believer comes to the end of their life is the Lord Jesus Christ himself draws near and takes you home. What a great thing it is that Christ takes his people home. And of course, when he gets into the boat, that's exactly what happens. It says in Mark's gospel, immediately they find themselves over at the other side of the lake. In fact, it says here here in John, I'm sorry, uh, in verse um, uh, 20, uh, uh, in verse 21 there. Uh, They were glad to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. (laughs) Christ comes into the boat and immediately they're on the other side. Well, you know what? There's going to come a day in my life when that will be true. Um, The Lord Jesus Christ himself will come to me at a moment where I feel that I am sinking. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's a a scary thought to think about that, except that you know that he will come to you. And immediately you will be on the other side and uh, what a great hope that is that the lord jesus christ will not leave us struggling in any darkness but will yeah. come to us and take us home.
0: We'll take a little break. We're talking to pastor Colin Smith on our red word series, the words of jesus. We'll be right back. <laughs>
1: are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat
2: performance.
0: I know the Lord has a lot to do for Pastor Colin Smith. He is a senior pastor of uh, Orchid Evangelical Free Church in the chicago area he's also uh has his own radio show called open the bible which is on faith radio in the mornings at eight central time he's authored several books including momentum pursuing god's blessings through the beatitudes heaven how i got here the story of the thief on the cross, uh, jonah navigating a god center's life and many many more but today we're talking about john chapter six and if you just joined us You've missed a a wonderful teaching segment on Jesus feeding the 5,000 and then a lovely segment on Jesus walking on water. We're now going to move to Jesus as the bread of life. Colin, where do you want to start with this one?
2: Well, you know, we're looking at uh, the red letters in the uh, New Testament, the words that were spoken directly from the mouth of the Lord Jesus. You got red all over this next section. You know, <laughs> we do. This, Jesus speaking and saying so many, uh, many uh, wonderful, uh, wonderful things. And at the, at the center um, uh, uh, of this uh, are the words that you have just uh, spoken that are repeated twice. Um, uh, First, it's in verse 35 where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. But uh, just to set it in in context, um, there's been this marvelous miracle of Jesus multiplying the loaves and the fish. Uh, The disciples have then uh, gone uh, uh, in the boat across the lake and Jesus has gone up the mountain to pray The next day, he's on the other side of the lake because he's joined the disciples in the boat, and then they've gone all the way across. And the crowd, of course, are looking for Jesus because they want want to see another miracle. And so they've come all the way around uh, as the disciples have gone across on the boat, and they eventually find Jesus. Uh, But now, rather than give them another miracle, Jesus begins to teach them. And he he begins, I, I think, really in verse 27 Uh, He says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. So here these folks have become very excited, and understandably so, about the miracle that they've seen of the multiplying of the food. And they're looking for more. And Jesus says, no, I, I've come to give you something more than an abundance of food. Uh, the food that you work for, the food that you eat, you eat it and it sustains you for a certain time. And in the end, you die. But Jesus is saying here, I've come to give you a better kind of food. I've come to nourish you in such a way that you will have an eternal life. And this eternal life is nourished by a food that only Jesus Christ himself can give. Uh, and he himself is that food. That's the point that he's making, where he says, I am the bread of life. So he says, I, I give you eternal life, and I'm the one who sustains you in this life. And the more he speaks about these things, the less they like it, because that's not what they're really very interested in. <laughs> but it is, of course, the thing that is of supreme value.
0: Mm-hmm. Colin I will go on record to say I think uh, John 6:29 is one of my favorite verses I just love this verse because yep. when they asked him what must we do to do the works God requires and Jesus answered the work of God is this to believe in the one he has sent
2: Yeah that is a really really important as well as a really really wonderful verse because Later, Jesus begins to use the language of feeding because, of course, he is he is using the analogy of the food from the miracle of the multiplying of the loaves and of the fish. And so when he begins to speak about eternal life and speak about himself being the bread of life— He says, for example, in verse 58, this is the bread that came down from heaven. He's referring to himself, not like the bread that the fathers ate and died. That's the bread, the manna in the wilderness. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And of course, there's lots of discussion that has gone out through the history of the church about what it means to feed on Jesus for him to, to speak of um, uh, eating his, his flesh and drinking his blood and so forth. People have debated what is meant by this eating or this feeding for a long time. But I think you have pointed to the verse that is the key to understanding this, and that is verse 29. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So what is it to feed on the Lord Jesus? What is it for us to be nourished by him and on him? What is it to eat? Because he uses that word. It is to believe. That's what he's calling us to do. And it is in believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who he is, all that he has done, that our souls are nourished. And as our souls are nourished, then they are strengthened even for eternal life. And that's the big point that Jesus is making in this long section. And it's a very wonderful one that the Lord Jesus Christ gives us eternal life and he's able to sustain us in this life and to guard us and to keep us in it.
0: Mm -hmm. Pastor Colin Smith is my guest as we are in John chapter 6. If you just joined us, you can open your Bible and grab a pen and a notepad because there's some amazing teaching going on thanks to Pastor Colin Smith. Of course, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. If I'm hearing this, uh, Colin, and I'm in the crowd, how am I understanding this at this point?
2: Yes, I think it's very hard to tell because the best uh, way we have of answering that is to see what happened afterwards. And that is in verse 60, when many of his disciples heard it. So when they heard these words, they said, this is a hard saying and who can listen to it. Mm -hmm. So uh, clearly there were some who embraced what Jesus was saying here, but it seems that the vast majority of them did not. And so what happens here is that there's a thinning out of the crowd very significantly. The vast majority, in fact, turned away. So uh, here's something that I think is very significant indeed. Not everyone will be drawn To the truth of the gospel and the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ that we are trusted to proclaim. And the temptation, therefore, for Christian believers is to say, well, maybe we need to change the message a little bit so that uh, we won't cause offense to people and so that we won't turn anybody away. And clearly, we don't want to be unnecessarily offensive, but the word that we are given is the word that we are to proclaim. And it is a word about Jesus Christ as the one who uniquely is able to give eternal life, and who Himself nourishes the new life of God in us that He Himself gives. There's no way around that, and and so I I, I think that this is a very important theme. For Christian believers who serve the Lord and sometimes get discouraged, but it's saying, well, why do more people? Why are more people not drawn to this? Why why do we not get a bigger response to this? Well, actually, it's very helpful here to look at, at the clarity of the teaching of Jesus. You couldn't you couldn't be more compelling or clearer than Jesus is, and yet uh, there are an awful lot of people who say, well, thanks, but no thanks. That's really just not what we're interested in at all.
0: Colin, was the snag here where the, when it says in verse 60, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Is the snag, what they're hearing, The whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day? Is that the part that they were having a hard time accepting and, and understanding?
2: Yes, and but I think that it's a, a, it's not just tied to these particular words. I mean, when Jesus speaks about his flesh and his blood, he's speaking about the atonement, the very heart of the Christian faith, which is that because we are sinners and because sin brings a penalty, uh, we needed a sacrifice that Jesus Christ alone was able to give and that he made that sacrifice when uh, he gave his body and shed his blood for us on the cross. That's clearly what he is speaking about here. And they were offended at that. Now, you see, that's still true today, that people are offended by the doctrine of the atonement, that somehow you're saying that uh, I need a sacrifice for my sins. Uh, And tied up in this, there seems to be an idea that there's a punishment for sins that needs to be born. We we don't believe in that. We don't accept that. We don't believe that Jesus had to die on the cross um, uh, for this purpose. The atonement brings offence. It has throughout centuries, and that's what we're seeing here. It's not unusual, and I think that's very important. I I think that's not the only thing that caused offence. I mean, uh, look at verse 44, for example, where Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Well, that's, that kind of offends a person's pride, doesn't it? As um, they sure like does. to think they can do anything that they want, and Jesus says, "You know what? You're actually dependent upon the grace of God here. You're dependent upon His work, and uh, you need to look to Him to do what you cannot do for yourself." Well, they didn't like that either. So, uh, the nature of the message: dependence upon grace, the necessity of an atonement. Um, the gifts of God coming through Jesus Christ and Jesus alone, that is the uniqueness of the Lord Jesus Christ, these are still today three themes that are cause major offence in our own culture today. And they're part of what the Apostle Paul calls later in the New Testament the offence of the gospel. And uh, here we see an example of how many people turn away. But what they turn away from in turning away from Jesus is they turn away from the eternal life that he offers hmm. Colin, there was some
0: familiarity in the crowd because Jesus says, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. And some are saying in verse 42, hey, wait, wait, wait. is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say I came down from heaven? I mean, fairly yeah. practical question.
2: Yeah, that's right. And uh, uh, and it's a fundamental question. Um, uh, but it's also an illogical question, Bill, isn't it? Because if he was simply Joseph the carpenter's son, how could he possibly have fed 5,000 people with 5,000 Excellent point, Colin. This is often the case, isn't it, with unbelief. It jumps from one side to the other and yeah. uh, makes logically contradictory arguments on different days. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And of course, what Jesus says next is pretty convicting, because uh, I should be uh, writing this down and putting it on my shaving mirror every day. Uh, Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered.
2: Yeah, uh, that, uh, that's, uh, that's a marvelous rebuke from the Lord. Jesus. <laughs> it kind grumbling of is, isn't it? And, and start believing and put your trust in me. I, I, I love this, the patience of Jesus. That um, uh, there's this pushing back, pushing back, pushing back from these folks all the time and how like us that really is. And yet his patience remains um, and he's calling us to believe constantly. I mean, don't these words speak wonderfully to us today? They just jump from the page and from 2000 years ago and speak directly into our lives where we're so tempted to end up grumbling rather than believing.
1: Yeah,
0: these these words just come alive in my heart and in my head when we read them. And like you say, yeah. uh, the word of God is is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Pastor Colin Smith is my guest. We're going to take a short break. and we come back, we're going to wrap up our teaching time in John chapter 6. This is the Words of Jesus, our Red Word series. We'll be right back.
1: to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold, Faith, Hope, and Clarity in a special repeat performance.
0: Love uh, the teaching that I'm getting today from Pastor Colin Smith. You know him from Open the Bible, weekdays on Faith Radio at 8 a.m. Central Time. And Colin, uh, as I'm looking in John chapter 6, which is where we are today, if you just joined us. There seems to be between verse forty-three and verse sixty-one a lot of grumbling going on.
2: <laughs> a lot, a lot of grumbling. <laughs> a great deal indeed. Yes. Yes. And, yes. Uh, what comes of it in the end is a lot of people simply turning away from the Lord Jesus Christ. And we mentioned a little earlier, verse uh, sixty. When many of his disciples, now that's not talking about the twelve, it's talking about the people who had benefited from the miracle, had eaten the the food when Jesus uh, multiplied the uh, loaves and fish and then had made the effort to come round the lake and found Jesus on the other side. They'd followed him, at least in that way. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? And uh, Jesus knew that they were grumbling and turned around to the disciples and asked if they were going to be taking offense as well.
0: Mm -hmm. One of the profound moments I see here is starting in verse 63. It says, The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. Yep. This is Jesus speaking. How can at this how can people in this environment not not believe?
2: And isn't it fascinating that this is another statement that Jesus knew what was in the hearts of people and uh, you have something similar in John 2 in the uh, story of Cana of Galilee that you were referring to earlier uh, Bill where it says that many believed in him but Jesus did not trust himself to them because he knew what was in their their hearts he knows what is in the the hearts uh, of people and it, it seems quite clear that here you have people who have an interest in Jesus because there are certain things that they want to get from him and that is not faith they they are not devoted to love and trust and follow the lord jesus christ they're simply there because they're looking to see what they can get from him, and they've already decided what it is that they want from him. And, of course, that kind of perversion of Christian faith that isn't faith at all has sadly become quite widespread in our own uh, time and it really runs right through this chapter from the beginning they saw a marvelous miracle so they decided they wanted to uh, co-opt jesus into their agenda they then chase after him he then teaches them these many things that they don't like because it's nothing to do with their agenda their agenda is all as jesus puts it here related to the flesh it's all about life in this world it's all about what i can get here and now and uh, And and Jesus uh, will simply not be co-opted into uh, making what they want to happen happen for them.
0: Mm -hmm. Colin, in verse 65, he went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. So if I have a thermometer and my temperature is 98.5 and I don't feel good, so I take my temperature, it's it's 102, I go... Oh, I've got a measuring device that says I have got a fever. So how can we recognize or measure when the father has enabled someone to come to him? Well, that's a uh, good illustration or not. But, you know, how do we how does someone know if if the father's drawing
2: them? Well, I, I, I think that the, the evidence that a person, uh, that a father is drawing a person is very, very simply that they come. Um, uh, Jesus said, uh, All that the father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never uh, turn away. And so the evidence of the father's drawing is um, our coming. Now, the evidence in the case of these people that the Father was not drawing them is that they turned away. Okay. Um, and no one who was being drawn by the Father would turn away from the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so I think actually um, uh, uh, that, uh, that is the, 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 the simple uh, evidence. And it is a wonderful thing that Jesus uh, uh, has open and outstretched arms towards all who will come. And we can say to any person, if you will come to the Lord Jesus Christ, he will not turn you away. We can say that without any question. Mm -hmm. And when people come, we can thereby reflectively say, you know what, that's the evidence that the Father has drawn them. Everyone who comes says, you know what, I'm aware as I think about it now that that God has been at work in my life. And uh, the evidence of it was that we came.
0: It certainly is a prayer of mine when I think of, People who are outside of God's family who i I love who are in my circle of influence, and people I know that I pray that the Father would draw them to himself,
2: yes, yes, um, yes.
0: and I always start to think well what would what would that look like? How would I measure or recognize that the Father is in fact and i Colin, you've kept it really simple uh people they're they show up, they're present they god God works through their everyday situations
2: yes. And I like you, Bill, I find that a wonderful encouragement for prayer uh, for people that I care about who don't yet know the Lord as well, uh, because I, I figure, you know, if it was just down to them uh, and that's all that was ever in play, then I wouldn't really have any hope for them because um, they have absolutely no interest at all. But if it is indeed the case that the Father, by his grace, can draw people and work in their hearts and change their hearts. Then I, I have some hope and uh, and that 's precisely what we 're being told in these wonderful words of jesus, and that 's a reason to pray it 's a reason for anyone to pray. say, Lord, would you turn the heart of my rebel son? would you speak to and mm-hmm. open the eyes of my daughter, who has no interest in the things of faith would you Would you draw them and uh, and then, as you said to, to to look for the answer to that prayer the the way that you would know that that's happening is that they come. <laughs> Right, you're keeping it simple, Colin, which
0: is what I love. Um, all right, let's go up to verse 66. From that, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Uh, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve, and then this wonderful uh, thing that Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God.
2: It's a marvelous, marvelous statement, isn't it?
0: Oh, it's, it's fantastic. You know,
2: it's, uh, it's so striking uh, to me, uh, Bill, how directly this speaks to us today. Um, folks who are listening to us and uh, walking through John 6 with us today uh, know well that there are many, many, many people in our country, across the country, who are turning away from faith in Jesus. They may only have had a nominal faith, they may have been Christian by name only, but uh, whereas once they would have uh, professed some kind of um, religious Christian affiliation, now they would do so no longer. And so we are seeing many, many people turn away. And I expect that probably everyone listening to us, and including you and me, as we've just been saying, we have those who we love and care about, Um, who have turned away so this speaks very directly to us and the thing that i take from the end of this chapter bill is that when someone that you love turns away from the lord the very best thing you can do is to remain faithful to the lord and Mm -hmm. that's what happens here you see these folks are turning away and jesus says to the disciples well what about you you're gonna you're gonna go as well And they make this marvelous response. They're not going to go. Um, They're going to stay. And they're going to stay because they know what's at stake. Eternal life is at stake. This isn't like some hobby or interest on the side. Jesus gives eternal life. And there's no one else who can give it. And so Peter answers for the others so wonderfully here. To whom else could we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. You are the You are the Holy One of God, and that's why we're staying with you. And it is really important that those who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ stay steady in their witness, especially when there are others who we love and care about who turn away. And of course, it's the evidence of real faith that it does persevere, that it does stay. And the true disciples continue and look to the Lord Jesus who gives them life and sustains that life in them.
0: Mm-hmm. Colin, I'm going to ask you an unfair question because we only have a minute left. And are you still at five granddaughters?
2: <laughs> have you, yes, ha- and have uh, you... what a gift they are. Karen and I have two <laughs> sons. Uh, and uh, from our two married sons, we now have five granddaughters, so uh, uh, Karen rejoices in the fact, and so do I, that we've added seven women to the family. (laughs) 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 We are very blessed, and pray much that they will, in their time, come to a true knowledge of Christ, as our sons and daughter-in-laws have, and that uh, in his great mercy, they will continue to know the blessing of uh, of the Savior.
0: Yeah, it's not fair to give... A, a grandpa only a minute to talk about his <laughs> granddaughter so but thank you thank you for being so concise and thank you for spending an hour with us talking about John chapter 6 it's been wonderful.
2: it's was a delight to open the word. Thank you.
0: If you want to receive a daily email featuring a scripture graphic you can sign up for uh, at for the verse of the day at myfaithradio.com. I think you should do it. I think it's great. And if you want to share your faith radio story is if faith radio has become a part of your daily journey with God, we'd love to hear your story. You can share how God is using faith radio to encourage you and to help you grow. You can do that also at myfaithradio.com. Pastor Colin Smith has been my guest. You can learn more about him at openthebible.org. Again, openthebible.org. That's our show for the day. Have a wonderful evening and I'll see you tomorrow.